Hello, and welcome to the Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by PureVPN. Whether you're streaming, browsing, or just looking for a little more online security, PureVPN has you covered. Rated 4.8 stars by TruePilot and seen on Wired, Yahoo Tech, The Huffington Post, and Lifehacker, PureVPN offers blazing fast VPN service at an affordable price. PureVPN also has features like internet kill switch, split tunneling, and the capacity to allow 10 devices per account, as well as standard 24-7 customer support. Right now, they're even offering a 7-day full-access trial for just $0.99, with an additional 40% off their monthly subscription for a monthly price of just $6.49. Use our link in the show notes to secure this deal and your online activity today. Thanks, and enjoy the show. And we're live. And we are live. How do I sound? You just got super quiet. Hold on. Talk again. Oh, God. How do I sound now? You sound fine now. I don't know what happened. You got, like, when you're like, how do I sound? (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, you you warn me if that happens again. I don't want that. I will. I'll I'll wave frantically. (laughs) Just call me. <laughs> Dude, I can't hear you. You're just talking your ear off. Oh my god. That one time when our audio went out was so so bad. It's so funny cuz we're like the most unprofessional podcast and then something like that happens we're like, god, that ruined our perfect reputation. We're <laughs> <laughs> such a respectable and professional situation and that <laughs> fucked it up. Oh, there goes 50,000 followers. God damn it. Uh, we got to do a, a country check soon. Remember we used to do those? Oh, yeah, dude. I totally forgot about that. I, I hope uh, COVID didn't claim any of our, our listeners. That would be just our luck. Pandemic, swiping, just combing our customer base. I mean, listener base. <laughs> <laughs> Something about... The type of people that like our show are super susceptible to COVID. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I can draw the connections. There's a lot of people saying that, like, it has a lot to do with vitamin D. And if people who are very solid in their vitamin D are able to fight off the virus, no problem. And, like, I imagine people who fucking listen to our shit, like, spend a lot of time indoors, and uh, they're probably more likely to get fucked if that's that theory is true i i kind of agree with you here's my question and i've done no research on this whatsoever um i heard that like some ungodly amount of people in the country are vitamin deficient vitamin d deficient so like 98 percent or some shit like that yeah uh, are vitamin d deficient so how much do you have to be outside to be in a uh, like in good standings with your vitamin D levels. That I really don't know. Like, do you need to fucking fry yourself to a crisp or do you get it the second sunlight hits you? I don't know. Yeah. And like the, what I'm thinking, I would like to think I have pretty good vitamin D levels. I go on pretty long walks with the dogs every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, most days I'll go out running in the afternoon in the hot ass sun. 
Um, you know, on the weekends, I go on even longer walks. So I feel like I'm outside quite a bit. You are. You probably would, pretty good. I would like to think I'm pretty good. But if a huge majority of people are deficient, like maybe that's not good enough. Granted, I do think I'm outside a bit longer than the average person. I think you're but probably I don't know. much more. I think the average person might not go out very much at all. Like, yeah, like if you think about, well, COVID uh, notwithstanding, if you think about the average workday, right, you wake up early, like most of the time, if you're commuting, like you're probably up when the sun is like just coming up or a little up, you go, you know, put on a long sleeve shirt and pants, you go from your house to your car, from your car to your office parking lot from your office parking lot into a building for nine hours and then you go back home like you're not outside ever yeah that's literally what happened to me uh at different stages of my job like in the very beginning i dude there was a period of time where i wouldn't see the sun for a while and it sucked like i would just work a lot and i would get there early before the sun had come up leave after the sun had gone down and then after like couple weeks or months of this i was like dude this is sketch i feel bad and then uh uh happened again what was i what was i gonna say oh i was just like i could catch the sun a little bit on my walk home but i was just like working through lunches so like i wouldn't do anything but now i make it a thing where i have to walk around my building no matter what that's that's a really good idea not only from a like get outside perspective but just to clear your head from work a little bit like if you if you move away from a task and do something physical, like your brain works on things behind the scenes and you come back and you're like, OK, like I'm ready to to do this. I've done that countless times where I'm like kind of in a lull mm-hmm. and then I'll just go do something else, like whether it's outside or like putting the dishes away or whatever the hell. And I'll come back and I'm like, oh, I'm no longer stuck. And I'll just blast through something. Yeah, I start to suck if I spend way too much time on things. I just can't kind of get glossy, glossy-eyed and foggy, you know? Yeah, and you I know? think what you were saying about going in before the sun and coming out after the sun, especially in the winter months when the days are real short, that's when it really blows. And I remember that when I was working at Robinson. Um, I would go in you know whatever normal time it was but it was just the sun wasn't quite out yet and then i would leave and the sun had already gone down i'm like dude this sucks and i remember one of my coworkers walked out with me once and he looks up and he's like i hate that we don't even see the sun i hate oh, it it hurts so bad i'm glad we both agree that our jobs suck <laughs> did we become best friends are we best friends now Oh, man. Him and I became good friends real quick. Nothing like the disdain of your current working situation to grow some fierce brotherhood. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I've been there. All you boys at Yelp. Whoops. Don't sue us yet. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love you, but I'm so glad I didn't take that job. Me too. (laughs) Um, it made me real scared, and I was going to take, like, a $10,000 pay cut to do it. And I was like, this doesn't seem like a great idea. <laughs> oh, God. It was it was, it was, was bananas, dude. It was so crazy. Um, I just want 
I just want my dream to come true where I work with my friends. I like I want that so fucking bad. Dude, to this me day. too. And if we make this damn podcast empire flourish, <laughs> that's that's what's gonna happen. We oh. just gotta get we gotta get the heist cast out and we gotta get another podcast under it and we'll have like a little trifecta of, of podcast greatness. What what are those things called that are floating in the ocean? They usually carry garbage. A barge. We're our podcast is like a barge with but with treasure, but with great shit. But everybody thinks it's trash because it's a barge. And you and your heist cast is going to be the speedboat that fucking takes off, and it's attached to the barge. <laughs> people are going to see the barge. They're going to get on the barge just because they're following the speedboat. And they're going to realize, oh, there's some good shit on this barge. They're going to realize this isn't a barge at all. This is a princess cruise. I am rich. This is is amazing. (laughs) I should have got on this days ago. That's exactly right. I think that's what's going to happen. What is that barge called, by the way? Uh, The trash barge? What? What is this? What are we doing? Oh, my God. This is the Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff podcast. That's the trash barge you're on right now. Yeah. Th- welcome to the trash barge. <laughs> is that like a redundant term? Is that like saying surprise present? Uh, well, that's not a redundant term either, because a surprise isn't always a present. It's just something unexpected. Is a present always a surprise? Uh, Maybe not. I s- wow. Not necessarily? I got you a present. I got you a present, and you're like, I guess well, like if it's your birthday, you're expecting presents, but you don't know what they are. So I guess you're surprised. So, so if you were to say on someone's birthday, here's a surprise present. Of course, it's a surprise. You assume it's a surprise. If it's I on guess. your birthday, yeah. Wow, you're asking the tough questions here. <laughs> Uh, this is why if you I did have so- an answer to this riddle, you can email us at aswspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts. I on expect surprise presents, math and numbers explaining <laughs> <laughs> what this is. Zach Galifianakis with all the equations. <laughs> I want a video of someone like drawing up on a chalkboard, like one of those huge ones that you need a ladder to slide across. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh man. Okay. On this podcast, we watch drink review. We watch different movies and TV shows. We usually set a theme for ourselves. I think we've been pretty good about that lately. Uh, yeah, we drink a whole lot and then we review those things. So you can decide if you wanna uh waste your time on it or not. Hell yeah. Uh what's the theme for this week? So this week, so in the last couple weeks, we've been doing a director series where we pick a director and then we each watch a thing uh, from that director, obviously, and uh, talk about it. And Would you call it the director fest, the director series. Although I do like director fest way more. That <laughs> uh, sounds like a physical event that I'd have to pay money to go to. We're going to director fest. Yeah, it does. Um. So this week we were going to we were going to keep on that train but we decided to expand the parameters a little bit and we are doing female creators. Um so not just directors but producers, writers, 
um, you know, documentarians, you know, all across the board, um, female creators. Um, I'm pretty pumped. Um, I, I recommended that we broaden the parameters just a little bit because I was in the middle of watching something that I really wanted to talk about that was created by uh, a female and not directed, not directed. Um, I feel like loophole. I needed a loophole, uh, but I think this should be talked about. Um, I'm very dis- excited to hear about you. Despite some things. So I'm excited I'm, about that. I'm very excited to hear about yours. Uh, spoilers. Uh, maybe I need to look into more of these movies of my director, but this movie was just the most mediocre. Uh, I mean, I was I was warned. I was warned, but it was really fucking hard to me, hard for me to avoid. Um, do we do me first and then you, since you like yours? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. I don't remember who went first last week, but we'll we'll do you and then me. Okay. Um, and Katie was mad that uh, we're doing female directors, and then I'm about to shit on the movie of the female director. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good point. Maybe I'll maybe I'll select another one. Do it again. Well, so in her not not in her defense, I guess. Um, when I first thought of, or I think you thought of female directors. I think you, that was your idea, and um, I just Googled female directors, and the first woman that came up uh, was the woman. I, her name is escaping me now, and I'm embarrassed. She directed the Hurt Locker. Um, which I thought was a really cool movie. And I was like, yeah. A, I kind of want to do that, but I don't want to just pick the most like hoorah man movie as like, hey, a girl directed this. Like I wanted to really do some more looking into it. And then while I was watching my thing, I saw the created by credit. And I was like, mm, I could do this. So Got it. just because you didn't like this one thing that was chick directed, doesn't mean there's you know chicks just suck it just happens that this thing was not hot no and like i ventured out a little bit because i've seen a lot of the best movies because some of the movies like hurt locker that were made by women are fucking phenomenal like and the other one that i was looking at was american psycho uh yeah and you don't want to like pick from the top of the top of the stack you know you kind of want to dig deep that's what this podcast is about it's kind of looking a little bit further you have if you're listening you've probably seen hurt locker or american psycho or or at least have heard of it and our job is so when you scroll through these things on amazon netflix hulu whatever and you're contemplating it you can remember what we said and think oh i should or should not watch this movie yeah um in this case uh i I think it's i'm gonna give it a no but <laughs> not even a one through ten. This is a yes or no. This has uh, to be a no. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, there's a movie. Every movie is for somebody, right? That's right. Uh, and like maybe when I describe my the pitfalls or what I think are the pitfalls, other people will be like, "Oh, well, that actually describes a movie I'd like." So, and on that note, my favorite movies are all no's for foul. Yeah, just like any of my favorite movies. So it just, it, it depends on the person. I have the beholder, as they say. So 
Let me describe what I learned about this movie. First of all, directed by uh, Anna Lily Emmerpore, uh, and also written by her. Um, I didn't know who that is at all. Anna Lily Emmerpore. Um, So I was like, okay, let's check out your movie. 2016, came out on Netflix. Cool. I have access to it. It's not very old. Nice. It's a dystopian. Love that theme. Even though I I saw the trailer and I immediately disagreed that it was dystopian, and then I was later really proved wrong, which was actually <laughs> which was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, the and this cast is fucking absolutely bonkers, like really crazy. Crazier uh, than Mars Attacks. Uh, it's very punchy, like very very punchy. Um, so these guys aren't even really the main characters. But the the star power here is so strong that it just drew me in, and I'm sure draws everybody in. Uh, get ready, dude. I'm gonna just say these three: Jason Momoa, Keanu Reeves, Jim Carrey. Whoa! <laughs> right. It was just a, a crazy. That's like that's just throwing darts at the wall. I <laughs> I know. Katie was like, those are three ingredients that I don't think mix well together. Uh, what did you watch? It's called The Bad Batch. Um, and it was it was really interesting, which, which there's a lot of cool moments. But the main character, and I think the only one with an actual name in the whole movie, uh, her name is Suki Waterhouse. I think it was her first movie, like her breakout role. Um, her name is Arlen. And she gets uh, she gets out of a prison and gets like a tattoo on the back of her uh, her or behind her ear. And they kind of like kick her into the desert. They're like, good luck, bitch. And she's like, what do I do now? She's kind of strolling through the desert. She kind of falling apart because she's a little dehydrated Um, and she gets kidnapped. And she's kind of in and out of it because I think they knocked her out. And she wakes up chained. And this lady, this is in the first five minutes of the movie. This lady injects her arm with something. She's like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? And she starts to saw off her arm. And what? <laughs> the lady, it was a, a mad, a huge group of cannibals. And like, she saws off her arm and one of her legs and chains her up, like, to, to basically store her until they're ready to eat more of her and like she's chained up with a bunch of other people uh and she sees a bunch of other people that are like less limbs than her some people are screaming some people are like dazed out of it it was dark like mad max dark and i was like oh i was gonna say quick aside yeah imagine you have a stockpile of people that you're planning on eating like do you stockpile them because they taste different are, are we sitting there in a cellar of like mm, i'm in the mood for some sterling tonight and you like cut <laughs> off some, cut off some sterling leg and then you're like you know what i don't i'm not feeling sterling tonight i want you know some i want some katie thigh and then you just cut off katie's leg and like you guys taste different if you know i'm not very seasoned in cannibalism but you're not <laughs> what no no <laughs> not that i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> not that I'll myself with uh 
but I my immediate thought would be to go for people that are like lean. Like I feel like you want to go for lean people. I imagine it would all come down to diet. Like, yeah. What does this person eat? Like if if I have the choice of someone like let's assume they the stats are the same, right? They weigh, you know, 170 pounds. They're both, you know, six feet tall. You yeah. know, all all that stuff is the same. If one guy is eating McDonald's all the time and one guy is eating grass-fed beef all the time, like I grass-fed beef guy is gonna taste way better. I bet. Yeah, at that point it's like organic versus non-organic. Yep. Kinda. Uh, anyway, sorry I, to sidetrack uh, you. <laughs> oh no, no, it's a it's an interesting thought. Um. So she gets she gets pulled up again. She's about to get her uh, other limb taken off and the lady is kind of like prepping the the meat cutting station and she see, sees like a like a bar like what are those called like a like rebar what is it called crowbar no it's like using construction to like get the cement together just like a yeah that's rebar like a rebar and she like lays down on it to hide it and then uh she kind of like wiggles super awkwardly cuz she doesn't have a limb or limbs and uh, she pulls out the bar and smacks the lady's leg, and she falls down flat, and then she just beats her face over with it over and over. It was awesome. Um, and then she wiggles back to her stuff where she had a skateboard, and she like basically lays flat on the skateboard and kicks with one foot in just into the desert, just hopelessly, <laughs> just like pickle Rick style. Yeah, just like fucked. And then in. <laughs> And comes uh, Jim Carrey, who doesn't say a fucking word this whole movie. And he's like an intense hermit, homeless looking dude. He has like a shopping cart filled with shit and he's missing teeth. Barely recognizable. I was looking for Jim Carrey and I think that's why I could identify him. But you probably couldn't tell if you weren't thinking about it. So I found him and what I like about his character is he's really weird and goofy and does quirky shit the whole movie but he doesn't say anything at all uh, i love that and he doesn't say anything and he does good shit the whole movie he helps people without for nothing like he picked her up and brought her to the good side which is called uh uh comfort like the 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 city or town that, that these people built is called comfort and i thought this was post-apocalyptic they kept saying dystopian, and it was indeed dystopian, and that was one of the more interesting things that I thought they should have uh, jumped on a little more. It's called the, the movie's called The Bad Batch. You find out later because society at some point in the future decides if you don't meet the standards of a good citizen, you go to jail for a minute, and then you get bumped to the desert and where you're separated from the rest of society. So they call themselves like, oh, we're the bad batch of humans. Okay. Um, and everybody has a number, so they're so they know for like record keeping or whatever. Like we have. Yeah, like even if you get kicked out and you wander the the badlands for like a year and you come back with a beard and long hair, they'll know like, oh, you're number seventy five. You've been kicked out before. You can't come back here. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, it's they talk about it a lot. Like it's a common thing to talk about. You know, hey, what's your number? Uh, mine's this. Would you believe that? It's close to my birthday. Blah blah blah. 
<laughs> you seem real impressed. <laughs> but I wish they would have talked about that. Like it's it's like a purge like concept to me. Like an alternate reality where things go south. Like I want to hear uh, when did this bad batch shit start? Like what could get you on the bad batch list? What was what was it like getting on the bad batch list? All that stuff. Oh, I think there's like, not a lot of history to it. Yeah, you're just in the the Badlands. You're in Comfort and Cannibal Town, whatever, the whole time. Uh, Name of the episode, Cannibal Town. <laughs> uh, Jason Momoa is one of the cannibals. He's out in the, the cannibal world. And you he's fucking huge as always. Um, and he sees a, a lady with missing limbs screaming, crying, begging for mercy. And he goes up to her, breaks her neck. Fucked up, but like, it was merciful. You kind of get the vibe that he he cares a little bit. And then he goes inside and he hangs out with what you presume to be is his little girl. And he draw, he's drawing lots and lots of cool pictures of her. And she like nods or shakes her head in disapproval of the picture. <laughs> um, so then it goes like five months later. She spent five months in comfort, the town. And uh, they gave her a, a fake leg, which is just her leg with like a bunch of shit attached to it you know um like a bunch of knee pads and stuff <laughs> so it was like a low budget type movie where they're like we can't afford sick prosthetics and stuff so we're just gonna do your leg up so you can't see your skin <laughs> it felt that way and i think that they didn't have uh keanu reeves and jim carrey say too much or jason momoa for that matter say too much because their star power is just insane they're yeah. so jim carrey who's I would say him and Keanu Reeves probably rival each other at this point, but Keanu Reeves said nothing. And, or I mean, Jim Carrey said nothing. Keanu Reeves said a little bit, but, oh God, I love Keanu Reeves so fucking much, dude. He, he plays, he's down for fucking anything. I've realized after watching this movie, anything. I think he just likes making stuff. He's like, this sounds fun. Like I'm in. And like, I think he knows that everybody knows him as or likes him as the action star so he like goes into to roles that are so against that and it just like clashes and it's like interesting to watch it's funny to watch because it's keanu reeves as this like wacky crazy character you know uh so there's this like crazy party at comfort five months in and they're like passing out drugs and stuff everybody takes drugs and then there's this like they're talking about like who's the the king of comfort and who le- led us into this prosperous land and there's this fire shooting in the air and out comes Keanu Reeves walking with like a boatload of armed pregnant women like, <laughs> <laughs> like like eight or nine super pregnant women with like AKs so and he's like a cult leader essentially effectively yeah but he's He's, like, not that bad, though. I'm, like, like not hearing why this movie is a no yet. So I'm very... It's just, uh, it's just a little lackluster and a little a little slow to me. But I, I think I did like it. Uh, but I would say, like, I don't know. I'll get to that later. I like that. Okay. But, but uh, he, uh, he's, he's, he is, like, a cold leader. But, and we, we get to that point later. But, so... Our main girl, before this party happens, she is having a, a sad day. 
She busts out a revolver and she's like, I'm going to go to Cannibal Town and fuck people up. And she like walks really, really far for super long across the desert. And uh, she gets to a junkyard where this lady and the little girl of Jason Momoa are like digging for trash. And she has like a quick heated exchange with the lady and she just blasts her, just kills her because she was begging the lady for help earlier in the movie when she was getting her limbs cut off. And the lady was sitting down doing nothing and then turned up the music. Oh, yeah. So she, she remembered that she did that. And she's like, you're done. And she's like, you remember when I was begging for mercy and then blasted her. And then the little, yeah. the little girl that, that was with her, Jason Momoa's daughter, just followed her. And uh, before I forget, what I found super funny about the little girl, she says nothing in the whole movie until the very end when she is so annoying. And she's like spoiled and she at the end of the movie by her captors. And she's like, Dad, I want to do this. Dad, I want to do this. And you're like, <laughs> oh, my God, I missed when you were not talking. <laughs> um, so she she goes back to comfort with the little girl. And she's like, I guess I'll take care of you. Uh, you don't have to be like one of those cannibal people. And then uh, she goes to that party. She gets fucked up. The little girl gets separated from her. And Keanu and one of his pregnant ladies see the, the little girl. And they're like, where are you from? What's going on? Are you lost? And she's not saying anything. And then like Keanu and his, his lady, one of his ladies, look at each other and they're like, nod. Like, yeah, let's take her in. So they go into this crazy, basically like their town is built around a mansion. It's like they found a mansion in the desert, said, this is our home, and everybody lives outside of it. Uh, so that's where she is the whole time. And then our main girl, she go, she's fucked up. She's like on acid, and she's like strolling through the desert trying to discover shit. And <laughs> Jason Momoa is like on a mission trying to find his daughter. And he runs into uh, Jim Carrey. And uh, Jim Carrey saw the whole exchange where that lady got blasted and the, the girl followed her. So he's like, hey, old man, where the, where the fuck is this little girl? You seen her? And Jim Carrey's like smiling, not saying anything. He's like, this guy's insane. What do you want? What, what do I have to do for you? And then Jim Carrey like taps on his sketchbook of a little girl. And he's like tapping on it and then points at him like, draw me. <laughs> and then he takes off his shirt and like stands like heroically. But he looks hella gross. He's just like this nasty hermit mount desert homeless dude. <laughs> he's got like and, boils everywhere. And he's yeah, like, what? literally, yeah. And he's like smiling, <laughs> but he's missing hell of teeth and shit. And uh, he, he draws him and gives it to him. And then he writes on the note, find comfort. And so the guy heads towards comfort and finds our girl drugged up, strolling through the desert. So he kidnaps her, and he's like, he, ta- he takes her, her leg away, because it's one of the detachables. And he's yeah. like, I'll give this back so you can help me find my daughter. But if you don't find her, I'm going to kill you. And uh, they have some exchanges. It shows them running through the desert and, uh, you know, kind of getting along. Um, this dude who's on his way to comfort recognizes Jason Momoa as a bad guy and her as a good guy and shoots Jason Momoa real hard. Oh, and dang. He lives, 
but you know, like how big guys could need to take like 40 bullets to, to drop. Yep. He takes, he takes a good one and he can't, he's kind of immobilized. And, uh, the guy's like, come with me, let's go. And he, and she's kind of like, fuck, I kind of wanted to, I didn't realize cannibals could be good guys. And I kind of want you to see, I kind of want to save your kid. She gets on the bike anyways, goes, has a moment of weakness. Jason Momoa is dying and comes fucking Jim Carrey with his shopping cart. Just rolls in. <laughs> fucking, fucking saves him. And then uh, he kind of nurses him back to health. And I don't fucking understand this moment, but I really, really liked it. Uh, he patches up Jason Momoa and he's like, he kind of like pats him on the butt. Jim Carrey pats him on the butt and he's like, all right, you can, you can get out of here without saying, without speaking. And uh, Jason Momoa's like, wait, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. <laughs> and then Jim Carrey walks up to him and he p- takes away one of Jason Momoa's knives and gives Jason Momoa a snow globe and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's it. Uh, that's it. Uh, and then I, I don't know how the dude finds his way back to comfort but basically all the while our main girl was in comfort and realized that the daughter was in that big house and she schedules a talk with Keanu which is really good and Keanu brings out a tomato and he's like not many relationships are like this tomato uh I only get to feed or I only get to eat this tomato because I fed it so we're feeding each other it's equal value. It's equal trade off. And I was like, uh, "Oh, you want you want to fuck her? Like you want to you want to do it? But she she'll get to stay here if you if you get to bone her." Uh, and that and he wasn't forcing her. He wasn't. I mean, it was fucked up that he had like thirty armed pregnant women in his castle. He was doing like the sociopath type, like yeah, mind jujitsu of. I'm not forcing you to do this, but I'm spinning things to make this sound like the only viable option to you. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it seemed like a sick life. It seemed real nice. Um, Keanu Reeves' manipulative bullshit. <laughs> oh, his, his yeah. yeah. If I were a girl, I'd let him bone me in that place for sure. Well, he's Keanu Reeves. But everybody, like they were in an indoor pool and shit and they all had crazy food and booze. Uh, and she, out of sheer curiosity, do you yeah. know if this was a Canadian movie? I don't think so because it, a lot of it was filmed in beachy areas and deserty areas of California, like so okay. much SoCal. Um, and I don't know if this is a compliment to the people, but one of the trivia things I left or read was uh, that some of like the they said the desert people that they hired. No makeup was required. They just hired them as is. And I was remember thinking, these people looked really fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Where did they find them? Hey, you look like garbage, and I want you to be in my movie. And they're like, sweet, I need 20 bucks. (laughs) I, bro, I think that's what they did. I think they found beach bums. And they were like, bro, do you sleep out here? Do you want to sleep on a different beach tomorrow? And I film you? I think that's what it was. Uh, I could see that being a thing, dude. Uh, there were some interesting uh, trivia pieces that I'll definitely get to. But uh, 
she's like to Keanu, I want all this shit. I want what they have. And he's like, Nancy, set Arlen up a room. And so she goes up to the room and she but she pulls off her her prosthetic leg and dumps out a, a gun that she smuggled in. And uh she just Ask for help for her in her room, and a pregnant lady comes up and she points the gun right at the belly, and she's like, "Where's the little girl? We're getting the fuck out of here." Um, so that basically, she gets away with it. They kick her out with the little girl. The little girl was living a good life, like she Dude. was stuffing her face, eating spaghetti, watching TV. She's having a good old time. Uh, I feel like they fucked up. Um, but then uh, they took, they took. She took the little girl out, and Jason Momoa happened to be on his way back, like, to get her. And uh, they met up, and she's like, I don't want to go in there anymore. Let's let's all hang out outside the gates forever. And they became, like, their own little squad. And uh, they ate animal from out there that wasn't, and they didn't eat human. So it was telling you, like, we're no longer cannibals, and we're going to be together. Ta-da! That's the end of the movie. Bad Batch. Boom. boom. That was the whole thing. Um, I loved I loved the cast, dude. The cast is cool. I liked our main character, played by Suki Waterhouse. Um, and I loved our our power cast. Um, let's let's see here. Oh, it was it was filmed in twenty eight days, which is fucking wild. I that is amazing. Like you, I think you've got to be very dialed in to do something, a whole movie that quickly, mm-hmm. you know, like we need these shots here. We need these shots here. We need these shots here. These are our scheduled days. Boom, 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 boom. Get it done. Like, I feel like that's super fast, especially considering, you know, stuff like, I, I don't know how long the Marvel movies take, but I'm assuming they film for like a year. Wow, dude. This is interesting. Uh, Jim Carrey's first film role in which he never speaks. Not surprised there. Uh, while it's widely assumed that Suki Waterhouse's character's amputated limbs were achieved digitally, most every shot is an in-camera practical makeup effect. Lots of advanced planning and storyboarding was required in order to pull off all the shots required in a timely fashion. That blows my mind because I was staring at her limbs, thinking how fucking real it were it looked. Uh, that that makes sense. They didn't use shitty CGI. They just rocked it. That's awesome. Wow. Um, I don't know how they got this because there are several moments where you think you can tell but can't. But Jason Momoa's character is called Miami Man because he says he's from Miami. He doesn't ever say his name. And they're asking about his number, and he says it's 88, but we don't know how it's 88. I don't know how they got it. That's interesting. Um, my, oh, here we go. Miami man's Bad Batch tattoo can par- be partially seen during a conversation in the desert. It clearly shows only two digits after the BB, meaning he's one of the first 99 to be exiled. Whoa. That's pretty legit. Apparently, he was sent in there just for being Cuban. <laughs> which sucks and doesn't actually sound that far-fetched. Anyways. 
Anyways, it was it was cool. It was it was like fun, but it was it was a little slow. The act, there was some cool like action, but there's no there's no blood and action was very quick. Uh, action was a little cheesy. I I think if you're gonna have a dystopian movie like that, like let's pick it up a little, a little bit. Let's have some crazy gunfights or something. Like the desert is right prime for that shit. You gotta have stuff like um. Oh my god, what was that movie you made me watch? Um Something Kid, Rocket Kid. Oh, Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid. Stuff like that coupled with like Book of Eli type shit. I I think Turbo Kid might be the best post-apocalyptic movie I've ever seen. It is oh my 100% god, it's phenomenal. So good. Way better than this. You're in the theme watch this shit dude oh my god so good uh turbo kid not, turbo not, kid not, not not this one um but i think i gotta redeem myself and watch another movie filmed by a lady unless we both find another director no uh, we should we should we should continue on the female um creators female directors female creators path for next week as well and speaking of, I'm just going to sprinkle this in here a couple weeks ahead of time. So we're on episode 98 right now. Oh, yeah. Episode 99 will be a second visit to the female creators. And then episode 100, do you mind if I throw a spoiler alert and we can just tell everybody what we're doing for episode 100? Hit it. Hit it. For episode 100, it's a big deal. We're both very excited about it. 100 episodes of the Alex and Sterling Watched Up podcast. Uh, that's, at this point, probably a couple hundred hours of time spent together drinking and talking about movies. Um, we are going to celebrate by doing uh, Lord of the Rings, which we have talked about many a time as being super intimidating. Yeah. And we're going to have a special guest on to speak about Lord of the Rings um, and all the lore and writings behind it and the expanded universe and all kinds of good stuff. Um, very excited about that. So that's coming in approximately two weeks. Oh, boy. I'm very, very scared. I'm also <laughs> intimidated. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so intimidated. That's a lot of time, Alex. It's a lot of time, but, but uh, it's... Um, our special guest will help us through it, which I'm very excited about. You know, I've never done a deep dive with him about Lord of the Rings, so I'm very juiced. I've done a little bit. I've asked some questions and gotten very deep into the rabbit hole, and I'm like, okay, I can't handle <laughs> this. <laughs> so I'm pumped. I'm pumped. That 100% honestly might be like a two-parter. <laughs> it might be episodes 100 and 101 uh due to yeah, length literally yeah like how do you condense all that shit you can't can't do we, it we will find out i mean um what did you watch dude i'm actually really excited about this so um to give you a little context uh, i think i'd referenced it in a couple of past episodes but foul was gone for like two weeks um, so she was with somebody, you know, doing baby stuff, uh, like baby shower prep and all this crap. 
and I had the house to myself, so I was watching like Sons of Anarchy and watching whatever I wanted. And <laughs> she came back, and we were out of stuff that we watched together. And it's somewhat rare that we find something that we both want to watch together. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were just scrolling through Netflix, and this show came up called In the Dark. And we're Ooh. like, that sounds pretty cool. And you know how when you're scrolling on Netflix, you cannot turn it off when if you sit on something for point oh, seconds, it. a preview comes it. up? I also hate it, but this actually worked out in our favor and for the favor of, you know, the show because we ended up watching it. Um, mm. the, the preview came up and it was like, this looks funny. I'm into this. Um, so I referenced earlier that it was... I, I like this show in spite of something. What we found out oh. a little bit into the show is that it was a CW show. No way. That's like yes. your kryptonite. That's it, crazy. It's funny because like the only CW show I think I like is Arrow. And I couldn't even finish that because it just got so CW-y. It just got so... Like, like it, it felt like it got worse over time and way more cheesy over time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, how is this possible? You, we talk about it all the time, though, and you have such a good point. Like, it, you can truly identify, if you're being honest with yourself, that it's a lower caliber of television. 100%. Um, uh, and I that really comes show. in that really comes in in the second season, I think. Um, we're almost done with the second season of the show. and. Uh, it wasn't because I found out it was a CW show, but there was certain things that I was immediately questioning. And I was like, why aren't they doing this, this, and this? Then I'll talk about that later, but like mainly story development stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. they're really glossing over some things and they're really emphasizing certain other things. Um, and I, that just comes with the territory of being a CW show, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, anyways, if CW wants to sue me for defamation, please don't. Um, Do you think it's mostly like a CW thing or like a, we're on cable TV thing? I think it's a cable TV thing in general. I think so too. I think um, so too. We saying the same about any other channel. Yeah, I really think like if you if you look at the difference between stuff like um, HBO, um, Netflix original. Um, you know, any of those higher caliber departments, they really emphasize deeper character development and storytelling uh, mixed in with a lot of like, uh, I guess, vulgarity, uh, like, you know, sexual stuff or violence or cussing or whatever. Um, All that stuff's mixed in together. When you talk about a cable show, they're very limited on a time. So they sometimes cut out some storytelling and let you kind of fill in the gaps and they fill that with stuff that they think people want to watch so it's like Mm -hmm. riding the line sexual stuff so it's not like overtly nude or graphic but it's like oh these people are having sex and this drives the story and whatever and so it's like a lot of light sexual stuff happening in the show and i was like that's pretty cw everyone's hooking up with everybody yeah <laughs> you know, and they're they're missing out on a lot of time that they could be telling a badass story to hook the right viewers because two people are hooking up you know that kind of thing yeah um 
I'm Team Henry. <laughs> I'm Team Alice forever. Um, that's a Twilight reference. You're welcome. Um, so the show In the Dark is about um, this blind girl who is she's the main character and her name is um murphy mason and we don't find out a lot about how she went blind we know that she went blind at approximately age 14 due to some degenerative disease um Mm -hmm. but she is like i think she would fit right in with the shameless crew like oh really Dude, she's like an alcoholic, smokes all the time, lazy as hell, like <laughs> always like late to work and sleeping on the job and sleeping with everybody and just kind of a hot mess. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I think the story for the first season is great. The second season is still really good, but it dives into somewhat of the remnants of the the first season while getting way big what do you got you got something exciting real fast i was looking through the cast of this show and the main character of my movie suki waterhouse is in it Boy. that's insane that's really crazy get out who is she uh so at the very least we did uh female leads and i love that uh her name is alexis in your show wait her show me Who is that? Someone named Alexis. Oh, I think she plays a chick named Vanessa. Hold on a second here. It says she was Alexis on the show. Is that not crazy to you? That is crazy. That's hilarious. Hold on a second. I need to see this. Suki Waterhouse? Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry, audience. I have to look this up now. I'm very, very curious. Yeah, if you just did like Alexis and then into the dark, you could you could find her, I think. I'm not seeing her anywhere. Wait, this cast me... is pretty cool. I actually recognize a lot of these folks. Uh, Judy Greer. Um, Suki, of course. Uh, Clayne Crawford. Dermot Mulroney. I know that guy. Dude, I'm not seeing anything for this chick. Suki Waterhouse? How do you spell the name? S-U-K-I and then Waterhouse. Did you look up Into the Dark? Yeah, I didn't see her on there. What? I'm like on there looking at her. Um, Let's see. That's okay. She doesn't look familiar to me, which I'm kind of embarrassed about. But I, I don't know. That's okay, Alex. I bet now, now that I've mentioned it, you're going to go watch the show and be like, oh, shit. I hope so. 
Oh, she was in one episode. Shoot. I wonder what she... Oh, she's only in one. That's why. That's why. You had me really concerned, because I was like, who are you? Um, What is it about? So, the the first season is fascinating. So, the, the show is basically... We get introduced to the main character, um, Murphy Mason, who's this blind woman, and kind of a view into her life of like, she works for a nonprofit called Guiding Hope, which uh, was founded by her parents, her, her adoptive parents, uh, because yeah. they adopted a daughter that ended up going blind. So they started this nonprofit for raising and distributing guide dogs. And she like her parents are like these loving people that want to help people and bond with their daughter and she is just kind of this dark cynical like i'm fucking blind and i hate it um (laughs) but i'm just gonna live with it and what we find out is her uh she basically has two best friends so her roommate jess um is one of her best friends and her like it's really cool that they show the reliance factor of like <clears throat> obviously she's independent and she can get around and do stuff uh, as a blind person but i mean with people she, she lives live with her roommate oh got it okay. yeah just with this girl jess <clears throat> but like she can get around on her own and stuff and like it shows her using her phone a lot as like you know uh open uber and she'll like book an uber and she'll be like hey text this person and then she'll, you know, go on texting them or calling or whatever. Um, but there are certain things that she needs, like, assistance with. Like, not to get too graphic or whatever, but, like, uh, yeah. she's hooking up with this guy and she's late on her period. And so oh, she, like, shit. goes in the bathroom and she's like, <laughs> am I bleeding? Can you tell if I'm bleeding? <laughs> and I was like. Oh my Wait, god. Wait, who to who? Who's her roommate? That to? To oh her roommate. my god. Like, can you tell? Can you help me? Um <laughs> so stuff That's like so awkward. It's so awkward. But she and her roommate's like, this isn't even weird for me anymore. Um <laughs> but her other best friend is this kid who we find out is like kind of a low-level drug dealer. Yes. And she became friends with him because she was walking down this alley to go smoke one day like she smokes in this alley and this dude just like jumped her and beat the shit out of her um and like mugged her and was like ended up was like gonna kill her and this kid was in that alley dealing drugs and he scared the guy off and like beat him up and you know sent him on his way and they became good friends um after that wow so and it it's cool in the way that we know that they're friends and they build this history of their friendship after what I'm about to tell you. So the the show really takes off because she goes into the alley one night to smoke and give him his candy bar and they were just going to hang out and he's not there and she's, you know, walking around and her guide dog sits down and is like whimpering and she goes over and finds that he's dead on the ground and she's like, Oh, oh my God! And she freaks wait, out. Wait, who is her dog? The best friend. Um, his oh. name is Tyson. 
the drug dealer the drug friend. Dealer. Oh, dang, I liked him already. Dude, well, it's cool because he's he's in the show in a bunch of flashbacks, and he's a very likable character. God um, damn it. And so her mission now is to find out who killed him. So oh, she she immediately reports it to the police, but when the police go down to check it, there's no body there. There's no evidence of anything going wrong. Whoa. So she's like, well, I for sure know it was him, and he was for sure on the ground, dead. So what's the deal? Uh, you guys are doing nothing. And these detectives are like, well, there's no body, so we can't really do anything. And so it's like her going through a bunch of leads of like, who did he work for? uh who's his mom like can she file a missing persons report so that the police can investigate and like her running down all these leads and all these people in her life are like i know this hurts but leave it like nothing you can do let the detectives do their jobs and she's like absolutely not i got this and it becomes this huge conspiracy uh That's i don't why give- like it I really liked it because uh, she is so funny, dude. Murphy is just so witty and constantly making jokes about, like, you know, people say things because she's blind and, like, they don't make fun of her, but they, like, almost walk on eggshells around her a little bit to to be, like, sensitive to the fact that she's, you know, quote-unquote disabled. And she's just... (laughs) like someone will say like you know she's like hey where's this and they're like oh it's right there and she's like oh yeah because i can totally see everything around there and i know where here is (laughs) and just like stuff like that all the time dude it's so funny uh she's just really cynical and and bitter to everybody um so i really like her character and as we're going through it gets like deeper and deeper in this rabbit hole and she ends up trying to work with this other character who i like a lot and I, I like this guy for a couple reasons so it's uh i want to get his name right it's keston something oh my gosh who is he to her another friend he is the uh so the kid's name was tyson the low-level drug dealer yeah. his tyson's cousin who is like the tier above him in this drug organization okay uh and she's like hey i like have you seen tyson what's the deal and he's like don't talk to me about my family like i'm gonna take care of this and at first he plays kind of this uh like not cool dude who's like kind of an asshole and is like you know the street's gonna take care of this kind of thing his name is keston john and he plays a guy named darnell and Sick. what I really like about his character is that they didn't make him a bad guy. <clears throat> like, he actually ends up working with this team of people, like her and this guy she starts seeing and her best friend. And all the while, he is this, like, super street-savvy dude who's like, how did I get roped in with you guys? Like, <laughs> how how am I hanging out with you guys right now? <laughs> And he's super funny. And it goes into kind of the behind the scenes of who he works for. And that's a lot of the conspiracy is like this 
uber drug kingpin that he works directly for is kind of in on what's happening and so we get glimpses of like she knows that the drug kingpin is like this woman in prison and and she knows about you know what's going on on the street level and she's not too concerned about tyson and it's like this oh it gets really stressful um but yeah dude like it's a really engaging show that i'm a huge fan of do you think you would have watched it uh or been more of a fan or as much of a fan if you knew from the start that it was cw if i had known it was a cw show before watching the first episode i probably would have not watched it like oh it's a cw show Ah. i don't watch that um but early on i i found out because i think the first episode just goes right into it but once you start the second third fourth you know whatever episodes the cw title card comes up in the beginning and i was like oh interesting it's a cw show but it doesn't feel like it it's really good and it really only starts to feel that way in the second season where just everybody's hooking up with everybody like it's (laughs) it's just like okay come on but what i what i really liked about the show and what i really think makes it is the group dynamic where you are introduced to these characters and then at least for me i immediately kind of make a judgment call about the character yeah where it's like that guy's the sleazy boss that guy's the standard detective that guy's the standard drug dealer like these are the standard characters and then these unexpected people work together so like our lead murphy starts to work with her what we think is a sleazy boss but he's just like a really insecure dude who like tries to over masculine himself and he (laughs) ends up being a huge part of the story and he's really likable and really funny um same thing with the drug dealer guy daryl uh he's like Daryl. at first you're like dude this guy sucks and then he ends up being like cool and not a bad guy and you're like okay i really like this guy um same thing with her best friend jess uh who's like a super lesbian who's like very sensitive to everything and she's a vet for the dogs at this nonprofit, and she's like really funny and like this ragtag group of very average individuals come together and they're like how are we all working together what is this bullshit uh so it's really good it's really funny dude i fucking love that that's awesome where did you watch it again it's on netflix dude no brainer yeah i actually think you and katie would really dig it um that being said i'm afraid to to give like uh recommendations to katie because i feel like Uh, she's gonna turn back and be like um this is garbage (laughs) (laughs) well odds are high for anyone doing that with her um but i'm gonna encourage that uh we just started watching the show that's fucking gold that i want to tell you about but after we're done watching that i'm gonna recommend this one to her because it sounds really cool oh yeah it sounds really like quirky And there's just a bunch of funny instances where Murphy is, like, taking advantage of the fact that she's blind. Like, she walks into a drugstore and, like, goes and and grabs, you know, like, a couple things. And there's a fat line of people. 
and she yeah. knows there is and she uses her stick and she's like excuse me oh my god excuse me so sorry excuse me and she goes to the front of the line and puts her stuff on the counter and the cashier's like you know you just cut everybody right and she's like oh oh my god i'm, I'm so sorry well i i guess you might as well just take care of me because i'm right here right uh i'll grab a pack of marbs and like just get <laughs> some cigarettes and then everybody's just like tapping their toes waiting for her and she like peels the cigarette thing off and like hands it to the cashier to like throw away <laughs> and then walks out <laughs> and she's like you're a peach and just takes off and like there's a scene where her and this guy she's seeing uh are in like a buffet and she's part of the um story arc is that we see that she's very uncomfortable with people catering to her oh, and so like she wants to be independent and this guy like is kind of catering to her because he's never been involved with the blind person so he's like oh i'll get this for you or i'll do this and she's like i got it yeah. like i'll do it and she goes yeah. to the buffet and is like trying to feel everything and it's like really awkward and they end up getting like kicked out of the buffet essentially and like the police are called because they make a scene <laughs> and the officer's like hey I, I need to question you and she's like oh you need to question me about this buffet that's not handicap enabled and doesn't have this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. And you see the owner of the buffet just kind of like, oh, over, shit. and he's like, oh, shit. And she turns around to her boyfriend and winks. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Oh, just a bunch of stuff like that where it's like she's just so on it. And it actually. I love shit like that. So I looked up a little trivia. There's one character in the show that is actually blind. Um, this actress, uh, Callie Walters, I believe is her name. So not the main character? Not the main character. It's uh, the cop's daughter. Um, there's a detective oh, that she works with. And she is actually blind. And apparently a bunch of the writers on the show are also blind. Um, but it really sheds oh, what I'm oh. assuming is some actual light on like how blind people do operate and like need to operate and also want people to act around them um like there's a scene That's where really the, cool. it is cool where the the boyfriend she's gonna stay the night at his place and she's like doesn't want to do it she's like do you know how weird it is for me to wake up somewhere that's not my room like do you know how disorienting it is for me to wake up somewhere else and so she agrees to stay over and he and she walks in and he's like so i'm a nerd but I looked up how to introduce a blind person to a new space. So I'm going to tell you where everything is. And he like walks, he like steps away and he's like, so to your left is this, and then you're going to feel this. And that's a coat rack. And there's a, a shelf down there. So watch out. And uh, then you're going to see a doorway. And he kind of like guides her through the room, but he forget. <laughs> he's like, I moved my couch to make it more like your apartment. And she's walking towards it, and he forgets, and I called it out, but he forgets to tell her that there's a coffee table in front of the couch, and she <laughs> ran to it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so just it's cool stuff like, like that. pretty accurate. Like, that's just a lot of shit I couldn't think of. Yeah, like, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I'm, I, I feel like I wouldn't know what to do if I was interacting with someone. Like, if I, if I invited a blind person into my house... I would be so nervous. I'd be like, hey, let me get this for you. Let me, here's a chair. Like, I'll do everything. But it's sure. like, maybe I should just step back and be like, hey, there's some stuff over there. Watch out. And, uh, you know, there's the there's the bathroom and 
that's my office and like just you know figure out the house um i don't know it's kind of makes you think a little bit on like uh and not necessarily with just blind people but like people with certain disabilities maybe don't want to be catered to they just kind of like you know let me know what to do about your house and we'll we'll figure it out i would definitely assume like i don't know you just treated differently all the time and you just want a little bit of normalcy and and probably like if you've lived she you said she she went blind when she was 14 at this point like she's probably pretty good at taking care of herself exactly exactly uh, and there's like one, you don't have to treat me like that anymore there's one guy in season two um who we think is going to be a problem and he wants to oh, see shit. her he he works for the irs and and they it's a problem because they get involved in some drug stuff and and they're like oh shit why is the irs poking around and he starts yeah. asking her like you know what's it like to be blind and she's like are you kidding me you know like kind of sassy at him and yeah we find out he comes to see her again he's like hey um i apologize if i came off the wrong way the reason i ask is i'm i'm going blind um you know i i have this disease and i'm already noticing stuff like i can't read very well at work um i haven't told anybody yet but i'm you know i'm scared and so then it like kind of sparks this bond of like it he's not being rude he's like what am i getting into like i don't know what 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 my what my life is about to be like and i you know you're the only person i've i've told and i'm hoping to lean on you for some experience (laughs) uh to figure out what i need to do with my life so it's it's pretty cool in that way but it's i it's a really entertaining show i'm like actually really enjoying it that is a that's a really cool pull to me, man. I would like to hear about that one. Oh, because we talk whole, shit about CW all the time. We do, and I'm sorry. The whole theme of our episode was female creators, and I didn't mention this woman once. Um, <laughs> I'm the worst. Her name, the creator of the show, is Connie Kingsbury. Um, she's a British, uh, you know program creator producer um i think most known for this show but uh yeah the credit kept coming up created by and i was like oh this is pretty cool um wow and you so and you've actually been you didn't just watch it for this podcast which is cool you've been watching it for a couple weeks now uh yeah maybe a week um we just we needed something else to watch and we were scrolling through Netflix and it came up and thankfully that auto trailer I mean it's moments like these where Netflix knows that they're doing it right because if it was just the title card I think I would have skipped over it um, yeah but the the initial preview played and it was that scene in the drugstore where she goes and cuts in front of everybody and it's like <laughs> this looks pretty funny and we just put it on and we were like oh dang this is this is sick. Oh, that fucking kills me. I love that. I love scenes like that so much. Yeah, if anything, I would recommend just finding it on Netflix and watching just what that scene that comes up. Because it's, it's funny. Um, I will. 
I'm into that, man. Uh, and I'm glad yours was more enjoyable than mine. I'm sorry yours wasn't enjoyable. It sounds entertaining, but I can imagine... I can imagine it being slow, and that's the drawback. As, like, you've got a cool story, but if it's just... There's not enough going on, and it's... You know, how long was it? Probably, like, an hour 40 or so? Uh, Yeah, I want to say it was even longer than that. Yeah, Uh, you get a long movie, and not a lot happens. It's like... Okay, you know, it's not, it doesn't grasp you. It says it on the top, right? Yeah, it was one hour, 58 minutes. So it's a two-hour movie. Um, and it wasn't rated very well. It's like a 5.3 on IMDb. On Metascore was like 62 points. Yeah, but, you know, when some you lose some, I'm down to watch yours. I'm curious if you guys like it. Uh, I'm going to encourage Katie to give it a shot. There's this one we're watching right now. It's about people who are on the spectrum and they try dating. And it's, oh my God, it's so good. And we're not even done with the first episode. We're just like, oh my God, this is the best. What is it? It's, uh, what the fuck is it called i think it's even called like dating on the spectrum but basically like a bunch of kids who have like different levels but i think like high functioning levels of autism they like yeah like ask like right like yeah like super upfront about everything yes so much so and it's so funny and they're like and it's just so sweet because they it's very heart-wrenching because they want a relationship so bad and it's just so difficult for them um so the show kind of like sets them up and like wait is it my favorite is it real it's real yeah oh it's not like a written show that's supposed to be oh no a real dating show yeah oh god it's good um so uh this this guy uh was being asked questions while he's at dinner with his family and he was like uh, I'm looking for a woman who's more mature because the younger girls, all they care about is intercourse. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> basically like, fuck. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Look, your is intercourse. And he just, and he's like not, he's very serious. Like he's so serious and everybody's fucking dying. Oh, it's amazing. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to watch that probably after this. But, um, dude, uh, is that all you got on yours? I think so. Um, I can't recall if there's anything else I wanted to mention about it. Uh, everything pertinent I got out. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I'm, I'm still, we're not finished with season two, and we know for sure season three is approved. So... That's exciting. Um, But that being said, I have no idea what season three would be about because season two is not over. Uh, Are you are you worried about like the future of movies and TV shows, like how long it'll take to get our new shit? Um, no. Oh, Uh, good. Well, a little. Um, 
I say no because I know a lot of things have been filmed already, like pre-COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So we're coming on like four months now, right? Or five months or whatever. Like it's been a long time, but it takes a long time to film and produce a show or a movie. <clears throat> yeah. So there is going to be new content that has already been made and is Good. like in the editing process <clears throat> and like the marketing process and all that stuff before it's released. So it's like, we've, we've got some stuff in the hopper that's going to be coming our way. Um, my fear is that a bunch of stuff I was excited for, for theaters is delayed because theaters are not open and they're not going to make money on it. And they, they're not yeah. going to release James Bond you know, to home direct. Oh, no. they're going to wait for the movies. And that sucks, man. I was so amped for the new James Bond movie. Yeah. And I don't know when that's happening. Um, I would, I would pay, I would, I would pay a hundred dollars to watch that in my house. Uh, if they released it and they're like, Hey, you can rent wow. this for a hundred dollars. I'd put down a hundred us dollars to, to watch that <laughs> right now. Uh, but I won't like, they're not going to release it. So I have to wait. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> um, I wouldn't put down $100 for everything, but something like James Bond, I would for sure, without question, just throw $100. Um, I have I have my movies like that for sure. Like even Mulan. I know they're waiting to push Mulan out, and I would I would pay, I don't know, I'd probably pay like 30 bucks to watch that. Um, Me too. I was pretty into that too. I agree. Yeah, that looked really good, and I'm really excited yeah. about what they're going to do with it. Um, but that's not going to come out for a while. So there's things like that that have been uh, talked about for a long time, and then COVID happened, and they're like, well, we can't release this. Tenet, the Christopher Nolan movie, oh, like the deal yeah. with that is, I'd throw it out yeah. like that. Like I could, as much as I hate to admit it, you know, I could probably throw $500 at just random movies that I want to see that are not being released yet. You know, if we if yeah, we include sure. all these different things, that I'd be willing to throw down because I want this content and they're just not going to push it out because theaters are closed, which hurts. Um, there's a lot of stuff like shows, right? Netflix, Hulu, HBO max, you know, whatever programs they could release, or they, I guess they would release those. That stuff doesn't come out in theaters that, uh, shouldn't be delayed. So we're going to see stuff come to there but big titles, like it's really bumming me out that those are being pushed. I don't know if they would do this and if they did how, but can you imagine if there was a world where certain parts of the U.S. were doing really well with COVID and some weren't, so they opened movie theaters in certain parts of the country, so they the, the movie studio was like, you know what, we can release it in these theaters and like some people in the u.s couldn't get it can you imagine i could imagine because they do that uh they kind of do that anyways right with yeah not with major titles but with some titles whether uh, they'll only release it to a certain number of theaters right so let's just for generality's sake we'll say there's like five thousand theaters in the u.s and they'll only release it to like 1500 theaters right so there's a movie that is only in select theaters 
Um, that was the case with Boondock Saints 2, right? So I, I had to drive to L.A. to watch that. Um, but if, like, here, here's the thing. If that happened with James Bond, right, where, like, uh, California is a shithole and we're locked down for way longer, but Nevada is opened up and they release it there, like, I probably wouldn't drive to Nevada to go see it. Yeah. Uh, there would have to be a very specific set of circumstances for me to do that. But it's, even though, let's say, it would cost me $16 to go watch it in, in Vegas, my time getting to Vegas is more important to me than than the $16. Yeah, so I have to drive nine hours. Hotel costs. Uh, you're probably not going to turn around once you watch the movie. Yeah, uh, so like I'd have to drive there, watch it, stay somewhere, come back. Like that would be just not a great time and would kind of ruin the experience for me. Whereas if I could throw it on in my living room, I would pay a premium for that privilege. But I could God, definitely and it would go that. directly in their pocket. I would definitely see that being a thing. Like if if COVID continues the way it is some states are probably going to be better off than others like how bad is montana right now probably not bad I've you know nothing of them in i think four years dude is exactly they still a state like i don't like all these states that are probably not having many issues they could probably open stuff up and and be fine you know, so, but yeah, if we want to go down that rabbit hole, oh, how I do. Many, how many people would go to those states because they're open, causing Ooh. more infections, right? Uh, let's just pretend uh, for one minute, like, let's pretend for a second that everybody's a huge fan of movies, right? Like, we're just talking yeah. about movies. They open theaters That's in the like world I Montana. Arkansas and and uh, Kansas, right? Like those those three states. How many people from other areas would flock to those states to attend movies or events or whatever, spreading the disease? Like it's it's a problem. I quite a, I think quite a bit. There's a lot of dumb people, including I don't think they're listening. A lot in my family that have just traveled all over the place and oh, that no. pisses me right off dude uh it's very crazy very selfish to me Shit. i think like if things are banned where you live that means you're off limits to go anywhere because you are at a higher likelihood of passing it along you exactly. imagine if you fucked up uh you know reno who's doing it right like reno has been bunkering down and then you go give it to people in reno you ruined their good time. Exactly, dude. Like, going along this exact same line of if Reno opens up theaters and they release James Bond, and I really felt like going there, I'm like, dude, I'm going to drive to Reno, I'm going to watch James Bond, and I'm going to come back. Even though that seems relatively harmless, like, how much, like, if I have it, how much stuff did I just touch? Right? Yeah. Like, handrails, yeah. elevator buttons parking meters, gas station pumps, all this junk that I'm touching and I have it. And 
I wanted to watch James Bond and I infected 30 people on my way. Like that is just bad. Even though I don't think I would, and I obviously don't have it, but it's the 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 more people you introduce into that equation, the higher likelihood it it has to spread exponentially. It's like a matter to me, a matter of being courteous and just a genuine human human being at the end of the day. I care about not spreading it to others because you and I would be fine but I really don't want to fuck up someone else. So I'm, I'm going to stay away from people. You know, I think that's what it is. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that being said, why, dude, why don't they do like a, like a premium, like you could watch James Bond at home for 30 bucks the first week, 20 bucks the second week, uh, and then 15 for the remainder or whatever. And then I feel like they would kill it. And I, I for some like of these movies, would too. I would rock. I would pay 30, 40 bucks for movies I'm so down for. Yeah, 100%. Like, th- there are certain things that would come out that I would pay the premium for. Um, Bro. We, we may be the majority or the, the minority here. Like, I don't know how many. Like, Amer- how many Americans are there? Like, 300 million? Uh, something crazy? Yeah. Yeah, so like what percentage of those would be willing to pay one hundred dollars for that movie? You know, like would Ooh, would that? 100. Well, if you think of it like this, like like yeah, okay, right let's, on, let's uh, cut it let's cut it in half. Let's say fifty bucks. Like, how many people would be willing to pay fifty bucks to rent a movie? Like, well, here's here's the thing. I would check out this scenario. second. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Depending on the movie, but check out check out this scenario where my brother in law. Uh, his daughter, my niece, is fucking goddamn obsessed with Trolls, that movie. Um, and that one was like the first one, I think the first movie ever to be released like that. Like I a planned so. theater release and then dropped at home. It was like 20 or 30 bucks, uh, but you have it for like two days. You don't get to keep it. So the thing is, because they have kids that are fucking obsessed, and kids can do the same thing over and over forever like for an eternity and all she wanted to do they bought it the day it came out they bought it for her birthday they bought it when she was having a fucking uh meltdown one day so they spent a hundred plus dollars on this movie right yeah and it like so i think like if you think of it like that like it's not that too it's not not that crazy it's not and it and they could make a really good amount of money on it but i i think there's also something we haven't talked about which is the like social kickback they would get from everybody else that uh is not as enthusiastic uh about james bond or whatever movie we're talking about where they're like you're charging 50 dollars to rent a movie are you kidding me and like the internet would light them on fire Oh, for that, yeah. you know, and like not to mention the movie theaters that would really hate them. They would. And that I got to I got to kind of side with the theaters as well. Like you're you're putting them out of business, which I do not want. I want to support movie theaters as much as possible. And I I miss the movies, man. I miss them so bad. <laughs> so bad, Sterling. I want to go to the movies so badly. Um, They're the best. Shout out to our boy Tyler, uh, who runs a theater and is just 
just waiting for the day, uh, which hurts <laughs> my soul because I know somebody personally invested in that market. But I'm I'm I feel like I I'm personally invested in that market. I want to go to the theater so bad, and we can't. And uh, like I just think the internet would light them on fire, man. It it, it hurts. Yeah, dude. Agreed. Um, I mean, I I think that like it's a kind of an outdated concept, but shit, I lo- I just love them no matter what. Like it's just a fun experience to me to go to the movies. It's it's outdated in a way in the, in the fact that we can all get it immediately in our homes. Like the technology is there. But the experience is not the experience. Like I don't have a surround sound system in my house. I don't have a pitch dark room with a giant screen in my house. Like I, I want that. I want like a beer and some nachos and a dope surround sound system. And I I like the crowd. I like the crowd too. Like if it's scary hearing everybody fucking scream, or if it's funny, everybody laughs. Or if it's like dope, everybody clap and cheer. Like I so, love the the feeding off the energy. I agree with you on all those points except scary movies. Um, Any time <laughs> I've been to a scary movie, it is full of teenagers who talk during the oh, whole movie. Oh, that's the fucking worst. And I hate that. Like I went and saw. I so I have a scary movie buddy that I go to scary movies with because Fal does not want to see them. So I go with her, uh, which is one of Fallon's friends. And every time we've gone to see a scary movie together, there's been a bunch of teenagers behind us that just talk the whole time because they're just trying to get laid, which, you know, respect, you know, you got to, you got to, <laughs> can. But damn it, keep it down. I'm trying to enjoy my movie with a girl that I'm not trying to get in bed. I just want to watch a scary movie in the theater. That's it. <laughs> Dude, I feel it. But yeah, like you're right. In a comedy when everybody's laughing or in like uh, something that everybody can relate with, like the Avengers movies, when something epic happens, uh-huh. everybody uh-huh. claps and they're like, yes, like there's there's you can't replicate that in your house. You can't. It's the fucking best. Um, that's one thing I'm hopeful can can ride the wave and get through this. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I think they will. I think they will. I I think there will always be a market for theaters, though. I wholeheartedly believe that that marketplace will change. So I don't know if theaters will be as mainstream as they are right now. Um, I think they may unfortunately become somewhat of a specialized business not that different from something like an escape room where like get your own room they're kind of a smaller group uh certain people really dig it they you know they'll go and spend money to do an escape room uh it's a smaller type of business i think movie theaters you know we'll see a huge loss of theaters but the people that like going to the movies we'll go to, you know, whatever theater is still open. Imagine if, like, instead of a, 
instead of like massive auditoriums, there's a shitload of like little rooms. Like the how do I maybe like the maybe the size of your room now, and one whole wall is like where the movie is being projected, and you get like up to eight people in the room, like in beanbag chairs or comfy chairs to watch the movie, and you pay more for it, and that's how they recoup for the uh, loss of you know seats or bodies in an auditorium. But that's how they cater to the new crowd. I'd be into that. I'd be into that super hard. I would be too. And I feel like that's, I think that's how I see movies anyways. Like mostly with just you guys. Uh, Well, it would be inconvenient for like me and Katie, like couples that want to go. Like you have to see with some, be close quarters with some strangers. Yeah, but that's like going to Benihana's. You know, like you go to a hibachi restaurant and you're like, hey, you're seated at a table with six other people and that's it. You don't know them. We don't care if you know them or not. Like you get one chef, you get to see this one show with these random ass group of people and boom. If it's not, if it's not weird, like it's not weird at Benihana for sure. I've done it a hundred times with like strangers, but if there was a way to make it not weird, like how Benihana makes it not weird, you know, like the seating is crucial, you know? Yeah, but it's, I feel like they, like if you just have, let's say, let's let's keep the number eight, right? Eight seats. Yeah. I, I don't think they could make that weird um, because you're allowed to sit with your your person. Right. They don't assign you seats. So like if you and Katie went to Benihana right now, they wouldn't be like, hey, you sit on this corner and you sit on this corner. Like they don't separate you. They just put you together. Right. like Boom, boom. And then other people fill in the chairs. Um, you know, they may have an empty seat or whatever, but like they wouldn't be like you sit here and you sit there and it's awkward. I think it'd be fine. Well, when we open it ourselves, we'll have to see. Dude, can we open a theater? Let's do it. That sounds rad. Uh, I feel very confident in running a theater after doing one all day, every day in high school. Yeah, you have and some straight-up experience. I just have passion for movies, so I'm going to lean on you for the business part, and uh, I'll just provide <laughs> some capital, and we'll do it. Uh, and we'd also have Tyler to back us up. But all our movie chairs are massage chairs. Uh, yes. That sounds fucking <laughs> dope. I personally am a big fan of that. Um, I like it. I could tell you're looking things up as we're talking. What are you looking at? Uh, <laughs> alternate movie theaters or cool movie theater concepts. Oh, share that screen. Share that screen, big guy. Let's do it. One second. One second. How do you do it again? Oh, it says share screen. Okay. Can you see? Yes, I can. Fuck my ass. You see this one? What? Is that underwater? Yeah. Uh, floating movie showings. I've seen those a couple times, and goddamn, I want to do that. I So I haven't seen a floating movie showing, but I've been to a movie in a park 
where they blew up an inflatable movie screen on a soccer field and everybody just got to bring blankets and stuff. That's hot. It was so, pretty cool. Apparently this format, the floating one, is really popular for like shark movies. Oh, of course. Really scary. Imaginable. Indie bike. Bike in theaters. Nah. Have you ever gone to a drive-in? Of course. They're the best. They're amazing. Um, I actually had an ex-girlfriend of mine. I, I felt really cool because she was like, hey, I'm going to take you on a date. I was like, okay. And, and she took me out. And it was a drive-in movie. And she bought me tacos. And we had tacos in a drive-in movie. And I was like, I feel like you know me. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Subterranean theaters. Oh, uh, shit. That's cool. What is... Dude, are they in the Matrix? Go to that subterranean thing. Holy hell, that's amazing. Like a crazy bunker. This is like a cave. Wow. Oh, God. There's a bunch of them. Oh, no. That's not subterranean. That's like Burning Man. But yeah, dude, like there I feel like you could do a lot of cool stuff with movies and you're sharing your screen that show okay. It showed me. <laughs> I was like, I'm backwards and delayed. Um there's a lot of cool concepts that you could do, I think. So once once the restrictions lift a little bit, there may be an opportunity for Alex and Sterling to open up a theater. Alex and Sterling watch stuff. Uh, theater edition. I like that. I'm into that, dude. Um, so do you think we should call it? We probably should. We've been talking for like 30 minutes about nonsense, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. love it. So, uh, if you want to reach out to us, um, we have social medias. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ASWS Podcast. You can also email us at uh, ASWS Podcast at gmail.com. And you can call us or text us at 415-488-5031. That's 415-488-5031. We'd love to hear from you guys. Recommendations um critiques you know whatever reach out to us we'd love to hear from you uh anything else buddy that's it man um well i guess we got to do one of these boom good shit well see you guys next time